This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Who has the right to become a citizen of the kingdom of God? If that kingdom was ruled by an earthly king, he would surely only allow those with the highest degree of merit and integrity to be a part of his kingdom. He would likely select those with the sharpest intellect, the greatest ability, and the highest character to become a part of the kingdom of God. But that's just it. This kingdom is upside down. Our king delights in humility of heart and brokenness of spirit. These are the traits that he desires in us. It is a willingness to acknowledge our own sinful inability to enter his kingdom save through his marvelous grace. It's a truth powerfully displayed for us today in Luke chapter 14, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke chapter 14 is a unique and loaded chapter with implications for understanding who God welcomes into his kingdom. Now, there's so much backstory here that it's difficult to try to process all that is going on. You see, back in Luke chapter 13, Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath day in the synagogue while he is teaching, and the Pharisees are incensed that he would do such a thing even saying that she should have come back on another day to be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Now just think about this for a moment. In their midst is the Son of God, the only person who is powerful enough to heal this woman. And yet the Pharisees are so blinded by their laws and standards that all they can see is how Jesus broke their human laws, the laws that they themselves put in place. It wasn't breaking God's law to heal on the Sabbath, but it violated their standards. God didn't fit in their neatly packaged box, and since he didn't play by their rules, they hated him for it. They completely ignored the woman's need or the Savior's power. All they could see was the violation of their own man-made rules. Now, Jesus' response to their anger and suspicion was that this woman didn't need to wait one more second to be healed. The next chapter finds the Pharisees inviting Jesus to a dinner party on the Sabbath, which was, of course, the height of their law-keeping. There was more rules about this dinner party on the Sabbath day than on any other day. It was their custom to go to the synagogue and then go to eat at someone's house afterward. Now, these Sabbath luncheons were a highly orchestrated affair. They would only invite those of honor to come to their parties. It was a reciprocal honor. They would invite you to their house, and then it was expected that you would invite them to yours. They arranged the seating in such a way that those who could do you the most good sat closest to the one who was throwing the party. So often, the guests were arranged by wealth, honor, fame, and grandeur. There was a pecking order, a seating chart, if you will. 
of their system for these parties were about arranging the guests in order based upon how much they could do for you as the host, understanding that every honor was reciprocal, and if you honored the richest and smartest and famous and they came, then you would be given the same honor at their party. Every honor and gift had strings attached. So when Jesus arrives at this party, he confronts this arrogant and selfish practice by calling out their clamoring for the best seat in the house, and instead says, why don't you sit in the lowest seat in the house, a seat no one wanted. Then in the midst of the party, there is a plan to discredit Jesus. In the midst of the famous and honored guest at the party, there is a man who is, quote, swollen with fluid. They place him in front of Jesus. Now, there are many atrocities here, but perhaps the saddest is how they intend to use the sickness of this man to discredit Jesus. Their motives are totally evil in even having this man present. He was unclean. He was most certainly uncared for given his condition, and yet they throw him in front of Jesus just to see if he will do what he did in the last chapter and heal this man on the Sabbath so that they can discredit his ministry in their midst. Jesus' focus, though, is not on them, but on the man. He cares more for the man than the repercussions of what they will think if he addresses the man's need. Jesus asked them the question to expose their motives in having the man present in the first place. He asked them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, think about this question. This is incredible. Is it lawful? Now, no one could do such a thing. No one could heal anyone on the Sabbath day. So if the Pharisees said, yes, it was lawful, then they were violating their own law. But if they say, no, it's not lawful, then they're essentially admitting that Jesus had the power to heal, a sign that only God could perform. So Jesus traps them in their own argument. He knows their hearts, and the true person that is sick here is not the man swollen with blood, but the men around him swollen with pride. The text says that he grabs the sick man. Literally, it means he grabbed him and hugged him as if to squeeze out the disease in his body. The people were silent because they didn't know how to respond to what they were seeing. Then Jesus tells them that even they didn't abide by their own Sabbath laws. A chapter earlier, they wanted the woman who was crippled to come back the next day for healing because it was work on the Sabbath day. And yet if their son or their donkey fell in an open well, they wouldn't have said, hey, hey, I'll come back and get you tomorrow. It's the Sabbath today. And then Jesus tells the story of a wedding feast where all the noble people are too busy to come and the servants are told to go to the highways and hedges and invite the broken, the lame, the blind, and the mute to come to the party so that there wouldn't be a single seat left for the people who were too busy with their own pride to come if they change their minds. Now, all of these ideas frame for us one clear truth. Those who are humble and broken are accepted by God. Those who come with their own issues and are broken over their sin in their lives, these are the ones who are welcomed. But those who are swollen with their own pride 
clamoring for the seats of honor at the party, those too busy with their own lives to be broken over their sin, those like the Pharisees who want to put God in their neat little boxes and want to live by the rules that they arrogantly and selfishly set, these are the ones who are rejected by the bridegroom. These are the ones who deserve to be humiliated and exposed for their own selfish arrogance. And Jesus has no room in the kingdom feast for those who are swollen in their own pride and arrogance. The kingdom of God is for the lame and the blind and the broken. These are the people to whom Jesus longs to run in rescue. If we are to be followers of Jesus, then it means that we have to invite people into the feast and have them sit in places of honor who can do nothing for us. For that's all of us, isn't it? What can we bring the bridegroom of the feast? What honor can we reciprocate when we're broken and blind and lame? We don't even have a right to be there. We have no right to be like the Pharisees with others when we ourselves are broken. So God, we come to you today and we have nothing to offer you but our brokenness. Yet you invite us into the feast. Break us from the arrogant and selfish pride that wants to arrange the seats at your wedding feast so that we can be honored when you are the true guest of honor. Help us see ourselves as the broken man drowning in the fluid of our own sin that you come to rescue and help us to live humbly as a man who has been healed and invited, not one who is selfishly arrogant filled with the pride of our own heart. Help us to run to the broken, to love the sinner who looks a lot like ourselves. And may our church honor you as a place that welcomes sinners and doesn't clamor for the seats of honor, forcing God to live by our rules and adjust to our standards. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For the show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday as together we help you learn to read your Bible.